This episode was recorded and produced on the land of the Gamaragal people, the Aboriginal people of Manly and Northern Sydney. I acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land and pay my respect to any elders, past, present or emerging. Hope you are well. Thank you so much for tuning into the Higher People podcast. It is good to have you back. I'm really looking forward to bringing this episode to you today as well. Like always, hit subscribe, uh, follow us on all the socials, uh, jump on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, give it a like, give it a review. It all helps. So we'll get maybe one or two more episodes in before the Christmas break, and we'll take a little bit of time off just so we can enjoy Christmas and, and the like. And then we'll get into 2022 and see what we can bring. But this story is a really, really cool one. Uh, he's a mate of mine who reached out and said he was keen to have a crack. And uh, you know, the story will, will talk for itself. And we'll see what it comes up with. And it's, it's a really, really good one. So without further ado, this is the story of Warren Saldana. Uh, my next guest is a man that I've shared the cricket field with. I've only known him for about, I don't know, three to four years now I think about it. But um, we become friends through our cricket club. I've shared some laughs, that's for sure. I've, en- I've enjoyed some uh, some times in the dirt in the, in the cricket field. Um, and the awesome thing about this, and this is where I love uh, what we're doing this, he reached out to me and said, hey, Oh, actually, I'm going to let him tell the story because it's actually pretty cool. Um, but Warren Saldana, welcome to the High People Podcast, mate. It is awesome to have you on. I'm really excited. Thanks, Clay. Thanks so much, mate. Um, yeah, it was just a, quite a random one to, I guess, sort of come on here as well. I, um, I woke up one morning and I had a dream. and I don't have many dreams, but I had a dream and I just like vividly remember having this dream. And I was, and I was in the High People Podcast and I don't, I don't actually remember what we were talking about, but, but, but I remember <laughs> leaving the podcast being like, wow, that was really cool. Like, let's actually do that. Like, that was sick. And, and oh, I then I woke it. up. So I was like, you know what? I have to do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's make it happen. And, um, and then I guess uh, here we are. Here we are. I just loved it. It was like one of the first messages I got that morning. It's like, Warren <laughs> yeah. Saldana, I had a dream I was on the High People podcast last night. I reckon we should make it happen. I think I just wrote back to you, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was literally your message. I, had, I, I, knew, I knew that I had to message you first thing in the morning because then, like, because then I knew that I just would never do it. So I'm glad you said done. Cause if, if you left me on bed for a little while, I'd be like, oh no, what's he going to uh, do? What's he going to say? <laughs> mate, the High People podcast is, uh, we are about the people. And like I've said over a couple of Instagrams and a couple of people, anyone who reaches out and who wants to have a crack, hey, you are more than welcome. Because for me, you know, the reason I've loved this, Warren, and I can't wait to explore your story, because I know you, um, you know, like a decent um, percentage of you, but already in talking, there's so much stuff that I just don't know about you, which I'm, I'm really interested to explore as well. But I've, I've heard some awesome stories and from all different perspectives of life. And I think it's, you know, people have always loved it. And they said, oh, yeah, it's actually a really cool, you know, chance to reflect. So I hope the dream uh, becomes a somewhat a <laughs> reality, I suppose, if we're going to get a bit cheesy there. But yeah, mate, I'm, I'm yeah, really yeah. looking forward to, to exploring this story. So I suppose, mate, it, it all it starts somewhere. Uh, and the High People podcast, we always say, you know, the first question, mate, is, um, you yeah, know, where were you born? Where was Warren Saldana born? 
Yep. So uh, I was born in the UAE in 1995. So that makes me right. 26 now. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was born in the UAE. My parents moved there for work. So my parents were from India. My dad had some origins from the UAE. So I think he had mm. his grandparents or some sort of family family members stay there or live there or work there or something at some point. Um, so they found themselves, so they met in India, they found themselves living and working in the UAE and then I was born. Um, yeah, and the UAE back then wasn't really a place you could raise a family. There wasn't infrastructure, there wasn't schools, there wasn't parks, there wasn't, you know, opportunities to, I guess, raise a family. So mm. my parents decided to move to Australia, um, which looking back on it, that, that was the best decision they've ever made in their life because <laughs> I'd much rather be living in Australia than be living in the UAE. Um, but yeah, so they literally moved here um, five years after I was born. So in November 2000. Um, and yeah, I pretty much moved here without knowing a word of English, without knowing uh, my left hand from my right hand even. I was just... wow in this whole new country and um yeah oh here we go i guess yeah wow so so you're born born in uae and you so you've been there for five years do, do you remember much of it because they say you know like those young years is obviously pretty formative like if you yeah. were to go back to the uae despite maybe all the changes that that place has had you know would you mm. be able to remember like certain spots or you know have you have you been back i suppose Honestly, I don't think like well, I don't remember much of it at all. I just got like vague sort of like memories here and there of like mum feeding me breakfast as I'm looking out on the balcony being a young child or like interacting mm. with the housemaid we had. Um, but in terms of like school sort of like preschool stuff, nothing at all. I don't really remember where we stayed or sort of what my parents did or what I did and stuff. Um, and no, I've not actually been back. Um, I would have loved to go back. I had had a trip planned for March, 2020, but obviously, uh, COVID-19 did ruin that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I do want to head back to, in a couple of years time. Cause I do want to just sort of see, I guess, just see where you're born, see where you're from sort of thing as well. Um, yeah, that's awesome. but yeah, I just want to like, I just love to explore new things and, you know, to check out new things as well. So I think that'd be really cool. But at the same time, just sort of seeing, I guess, you know, I'd have to speak, speak to my folks and see where we stayed. So I can sort of head back there and see the environment, sort of, you know, just sort of see what I would have been almost, I guess, if I wasn't here in Australia. That's awesome. What a, what a, what an interesting, what an interesting start to, to life. I suppose my, my follow-up question immediately is, and I've had, I've had this conversation with a lot of people is I wish I had uh, learned another language. I, I just, I just don't, I don't know what it was with my brain. Like I, I, whether I was just lazy or whether I was probably focused <laughs> on playing cricket and other sports, which is probably the true answer there. <laughs> but what was your, what was your original language that you were grown up to speak? So I believe it would have been Arabic. Um, but mm -hmm. like I said, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I don't really remember much of like preschool and school as well. Um, my folks did speak a dialect of an of an Indian language back home um, when we lived there. And then obviously when we moved here, we did sort of, we did sort of keep that language as well. But in terms of what my first language would have been, I think it would have been Arabic, but not, don't really remember much of it. I haven't 
tried to learn that since. I did try to learn f- French in year seven or ten, and that didn't work out too well. So um, <laughs> I think I'll just stick to English for now. <laughs> so, so you move out when you're five. Um, you don't know any English, um, and, and you painted it really vividly before. You don't know your left hand from your right hand. Like, yeah. what, what's the journey for you and your family in, in that sense? Is it, you know, English lessons? Or are you straight into school? Like, where, where did you move yeah. to as well? So, yeah, like, there's, there's so much to that. I'm even, like, <laughs> nearly, like, a little bit anxious thinking of the idea of, like, me uplifting, oh. going to a country that I've never... I don't even speak the local language. I can't even go down to like the local shop and, and get something. But so what, what did that look like for your family? Yeah, it was quite tough from what I remember. Um, my parents did speak fairly good English. So that definitely helped. But obviously I didn't really speak a word of it. So um, I guess I guess I just learned it all at school. Um, I don't really remember too much about school. We did move to, um, we did move to a suburb called Carlingford, which is just near... Epping and Eastwood. Um, and I did go to school there for a couple of years. I think it was St. Gerard's Primary School in Carlingford. Um, but yeah, it was just just learning sort of things on the fly. Um, I remember playing sport at a young age. I remember my dad was a keen soccer player. Um, mm. And if you look at me now, you think, Warren, you, you, you are a soccer player, mate. And that's definitely true. <laughs> I definitely wasn't a soccer player. Um, but I did play soccer at quite a young age and I think that really helped to also make friends as well. Um, I'm, a, mm. I'm a pretty outgoing sort of personality. So I felt that that's probably how I did try and learn the language at the start. Um, and then obviously just within school as well, I was in the ESL, ESL classes in primary school. So I guess that's where I would have learned sort of most of my English as well. And then obviously my parents would have been a pretty big helping hand as well. They'd, they, they'd obviously learned, learned English when they, when they were growing up. And then when they were working in the UAE, they would have mainly spoken English too. So, um, yeah, so I guess, right. yeah, they were, I guess, the main sort of cornerstones for me, I guess, learning language, learning about Australia. Um, and then just, you know, just, just also, I guess, growing up as well. It's so interesting. Like I, I, I love, you know, hearing that someone can be, you know, from zero to five years and, and be in a totally different country, um, you know, be totally different than moving to Carlingford uh, in Australia, um, going to primary school. Um, and the thing that I love about that is I think because it resonates with probably both of us is that, you know, you found sport, right? And that you found yeah. something that you can, can align with. Was that the memories you had of primary school? Was just playing sport yes. at recess and Def- lunch and, and playing with your friends? Definitely, mate. Definitely. I remember playing soccer. I played for the Rosalie Soccer Club on the weekends. I remember playing soccer in the schoolyards with, 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 with my friends. I don't remember their, their, their names or what they look, look like at all. But what I do remember is that we used to keep, keep, keep the soccer ball around. So I guess, yeah, I guess that was sort of the main thing, you know, the main memories would always sort of come back to sport in some way. Um, and I guess that's that's then also, you know, carried on throughout the rest of my life as well. Yeah, right. And so so you move from, there's there's a point obviously, because you're only at um, the Carlingford School for, for a little bit. Um, yeah. What was the next step? Did you did you relocate again or did you stay in Sydney or what was the, what was the next step for the um, Saldana family? Yeah, so we did stay in Sydney. Um, we were lucky enough to be able to buy a place in Hornsby. So we moved. We we made the move up up Hills Road, which 
thank God we did because I couldn't, I don't think I would have lasted too long in Carlingford. Uh, we moved up to Hornsby. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, I've lived, well, I lived there from, I think, 2008 onwards. So we, we weren't, oh, oh, no, I think it was 2006. So, yeah, we, we weren't Carlingford for about six years. And then I moved to Hornsby where I did my, um, I guess, the back end of my high school, my primary school and then into high school as well. Um, but, yeah, that move, I think at that stage, I'd learned most of the language pretty well. Um, I'd moved on to, you know, I, I was then, I guess, ready to move into high school. Um, sport was still a big part of my life. And then I guess also both, both my parents working as well um, just meant that Hornsby was just a more convenient sort of place to live as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I know you and I have spent a lot of time in, obviously, with our cricket uh, team and the like, so, and which we'll definitely explore later. I'm, I'm curious to, to explore was that, um, you know, coming from a different country, having a different background, um, even going down the, 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 the fact of having a different skin color, um, how did you go about fitting in um, into to primary school? Did, did it come quite normal or was there a couple of challenges along the way? Um, I'd like to think it came pretty normal, but obviously there would have definitely been challenges along the way. Um, obviously learning a new language would have been quite a big challenge. And I guess also sort of not knowing, I guess, sort of like the cultural norms. So I guess, you know, like example, um, like mum used to make me food to, to have at school and my food didn't look like the food of everyone else at school. Mm. So just, you know, just, I guess, being, being different from the start, um, that was that that probably would have been the 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 biggest challenge I would have had to overcome. Um, and then I guess also I guess just sort of goes hand in hand with that um, learning English and then just having a natural speech impediment as well. That would have hmm. that would have certainly made my friends transition a bit harder as well. Um, but I guess that's, you know, I guess that's all part of growing up and that's just that's just some of the challenges that I faced. Yeah. So so you move into late end of, of primary school and then into high school. Um, and again, you know, you know tr- changing schools and the like is never easy, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes up, up um, Cullingford, uh, up you know, Pennant Hills Road or moving into a, into a different area. Um yeah, was Warren a good student? Was he was he was he up there with his studies, or was he more interested in the uh, the recess and lunchtime sporting activities? Um, it depends who you ask. My parents would say <laughs> I was more interested in these sports, and although you know, I'd like to think I was a pretty good student. I felt that I was a pretty quick learner. I could pick up things pretty quickly, but then it also meant that I was quite complacent because I felt that oh well, you know what. I learned that in a couple of days, I'll be fine. So yeah, I wasn't, I'd say I wasn't above average student, but at the same time, I could be very, very lazy, um, which I still, looking back on it now, I still think I still have those those qualities for myself to this day. So I guess, I guess some things don't change, but um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I wasn't, okay, student, I'd say. Yeah, nice. 
I love that. I love asking that question because I think I've I've had um, a couple of guests on who are just like, nah, I was an absolute rat bag, and then you look at their <laughs> life now. I'm like, how you are so successful? Like, if it's in the business world, or like, you know, they've done done something awesome, or um, you know, yeah. I'm always really really curious about that. Again, like we go into um, the high school years, you know, we're really really formative years, you know, finding our identity and you know figuring out who we are. Um, what, what were the, I suppose, the real highlights for you in high school? Um, and then I suppose then on the opposite hand, um, you know, what were the, the, the challenges or the, or the low lights, I suppose, of, of growing up and, and doing high school? Yeah, yeah. So I went to high school in Batswood, um, which was obviously a bit of a way from Hornsby. So I, so I used to take the train into school each day. Um, and yeah, I think, look, looking back on high school, I I think that I definitely had heaps of fun, but then at the same time, there was sort of, you know, there were those, there were the, those challenges along the way as well. Um, I was lucky enough to play high level cricket for high school at, 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 at quite a young age. So that was quite good. And we ended up winning the, um, the, the ISA competition when I was in year eight and, 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 you know, we, we had a really good side and, um, we did really well that year. I think sort of looking back on that high, that was, that was a really good high, but then at the same time, there were also some really low lows as well. Um, I remember because, because I was, I guess, a good cricket player at a young age, I was quite into the sport and I was my dad. So my dad always strived to want to make me the best player I can. Um, and, you know, like every single parent wants to support their child and wants to see their child do really well. But at the same time, I look back and I think dad might have just, you know, overstepped that mark a few times here and there. Um, yeah. I remember, I don't know, like there's things in life that you just like remember so well. And I remember I would have been in probably year six going into year seven and I was at... Mm. And that's with dad. And, um, you know, we'd been to the nets hundreds of times. I'd hit heaps of balls. I was, you know, I was in a good spot. But for some reason that day, I just wasn't hitting the ball well at all. Um, and dad got really angry, like really, really angry. Um, so he was, you know, he was, he was starting to throw the ball at me harder and harder. And I just kept on hitting it really badly and badly. Um, and then it reached a point where dad was almost, you know, dad was maybe four or five meters away throwing the balls at me really hard. And I was just not hitting these balls. They were just hmm. hitting me on the leg or on my hip or on my neck or on my shoulder. Um, I was just missing these balls. And I remember that night I was in tears the whole night. I hardly slept that whole night. And I look back and I'm like, wow, like, you know, that was, that was like a really, really traumatic time in my life um and that was sort of just coming into high school as well so i guess yeah there were some there were certainly some lows and there were certainly some highs as well um i i would like to think that the highs did outweigh the lows but yeah obviously that's me looking back in hindsight um if i was you know if i was there in that moment in time i would i might say that those lows were actually really, really bad. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's so well put. I think it's always interesting, and like I don't think I've understood the whole idea of you know, you know, hindsight is an incredible thing when it's actually really prominent and really a it is an amazing thing. We can look back and go, oh yeah. You know, I probably would have dealt with that situation differently or I wouldn't have said that or, you know, what would I have done with that? But I think it's also such an amazing learning tool because, you know, there's going to be, you know, future moments and future situations where that situation may arise and you can go, you know what, actually, I do remember, um, you know, this situation. And I suppose for the viewers, as uh, sorry, for the listeners as well, you know, hitting a cricket ball bad. Oh, man, I did that every, like, third ball <laughs> in the net. Like, you know, like, it's it's one of those things, like, you have a bad day. And I think cricket is such a mental sport, which I think we'll, we'll get into um, at the back end. But, oh, man, like, cricket's a tough, tough sport. And when you're not hitting them well, it's it's pretty hard to sort of get back on top. Um, yeah. Um, and hit them and then go from there. I, I, I want to ask a, a question was, did, did your love for cricket um, continue through through high school or did you have a bit of a falling out with it? Because, you know, that's a, a pretty traumatic little experience there. Yeah, no, I certainly did have a bit of a falling out with it. Um, like, like I said, I was lucky enough to play, you know, a high level of beginning years, I guess, seven, eight, nine. But then as I got more, you know, into it and as my experiences with dad became worse and worse, I did sort of, I guess start to hate the game. Um, mm. but there were times where I just didn't want to play. Like I just didn't want to do it. But dad, but dad, you know, dad ruled the show. So he was like, let's get in the car. Let's have a hit. And I was like, okay, sure, let's go. So there were times where, you know, I just didn't want to play. And I remember playing some school games in, in, in year 10. And um, we used to play in the Manly competition Um with our school team and dad used to drive me to the games. He used to watch me play and he used to always, you know, just yell out from this sidelines. And I used to hate that because I was like, you know what? No, like this is my weekend. This is my time to, you know, play with my friends. I don't want my dad to be screaming and yelling at me on this sideline. So um, I guess, yeah, to sort of answer your question, I did have a bit of a falling out with the game. I didn't actually end up playing cricket in years hmm. 11 and 12. Um, I still had all my stuff. I still had all my gears. I still kept all my things, but I just didn't play the game. And part of that was dad as well. But hmm. part of that was also me just not really wanting to enjoy that, that as well. And I think looking back hmm. on it, you know, not having sport as a main part of my life, um, those were, you know, those were hard years. Um, hmm. looking back and sort of saying, okay, well, you know, almost like, well, if was isn't playing sport, what's he doing? So, hmm. um, yeah, I think I did definitely lose love for the game. Um, hmm. but I think sort of looking back now and I guess where I'm at now with my sport, I'm like, cricket. I think losing that love has made me more of more passionate, more, more, in tune with with the game right now, I guess. Hmm. Uh, mate, if I uh, know my stats correctly, you've just uh, recently whacked 70 on the weekend in fourth grade, mate. So well done. Very, very good. Um, Thank you, it's mate. It's good to see you scoring some runs, mate. It's, um, it's always really, really good to see. Mate, um, yeah, I, that's a, it's, an, it's a big story. And I think I, um, 
I can't, I can't resonate with, you know, your story because that's your story, but I can resonate with the falling out of love of cricket and, and cricket is one of those sports where it's not just 90 minutes and it's kind of over and you got your whole weekend. Like it's, it's a day, um, of focus and it's a day of that. And if you're not loving something for eight hours outside of anything of cricket, you would give it up immediately. Right. Uh, yeah, but for definitely. some reason in cricket, we just continue yeah. to grow and we continue <laughs> to grind and we try and find, um, you know, that type of element. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm interested to, to pick up on, um, something you said before. Um, and it's something that I only, um, recently came to, um, learn about you as well was, um, your, your speech impediment and the, and the work that you have, have done on that type of thing. What, what does that do to yourself? Um, when you're, you know, trying to, uh, either work on that or improve that or, um, you know, make friends and those type of things. Like I, I, I can't acknowledge, um, I don't know how that feels. I can, I can probably think about how that feels, but you know, what was that like going through, you know, that process for you? Like when, when did it become really, um, I suppose, um, prominent, but then also when did the work start to begin for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it definitely became prominent when I wasn't enjoying cricket, when dad was getting really angry at me and, you know, throwing balls at me and I was getting really scared. Um, I mm. felt that my sort of speech impediment was sort of born out of that, um, mm. from that, I guess, you know, like a fear almost. Um, and I guess, yeah, like what sort of how it, like the best way sort of I describe it is that I try and think of what I'm going to say, but then mm. I can't actually say it. Um, and I know it sounds obvious, but that's literally exactly what it is. Um, mm. And I think from my, from my own um, perspective, I think that's partly fear as well. So when I was learning English, I think that, that sort of having that fear, fear factor in the back of my mind might have actually hampered my sort of growth as well. So, mm. um, yes, yeah, so I think it did get really bad in like years seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in high school, um, mainly years eight, nine, 10. Um, those were, I guess, you know, those were the years where my speech impediment was a lot worse than what it is now. Um, mm. I just, you know, I was just, it was, it was partially like a lack of confidence. It was partially the fact that me not knowing what I was going to be doing if I wasn't playing cricket. And then also me just not being like, just like not being who I am being, I guess, mm. scared or being fearful or being shy which which if you know me now i'm just like the complete opposite of that um <laughs> so i think that was that was obviously a bit hard and i look back in those words you know those were quite hard times and i think therapy did help but at the same time i felt that therapy probably wasn't right for me as well um it mm. didn't really suit the type of person i am um mm. i'm very you know outgoing want to have a chat, want to speak to you, want to learn new things. Whereas therapies mainly, well, the one that I had was, was mainly, you know, go, go in your shell, um, let people speak to you. And when they speak to you, try and use the take, try and use those techniques that we learned about, you know, saying, 
saying things slowly or, or drawing mm. out your words or, you know, spacing out your sentences, things like that, um, which for me, I just didn't really, it didn't really resonate with me. Um, and my parents did try, you know, to try and make me want to do it and do it and do it because, you know, they could see what the speech impediment and, and, you know, the, I guess the impact that was having on my life. But I look back and I thought, well, mom, like, you know, like this isn't really working. Like this is not for me. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think sort of, we've, we've sort of gone around in circles here, but I guess just sort of answer your question. It was, it was quite hard. Um, it was, it was just sort of a learning experience and, you know, as I'm sure you can hear, I'm still working, working on it right now. It's not, mm. it, you know, it's not something that I truly solved at this stage, but at the mm. same time, I feel that I've definitely come a long way from what I was in those years. And I guess what I've been in the past as well. Mate, that's amazing, and thank you for for obviously your vulnerability and share. Because what this story I'm about to share is a, nearly a total paradox of of what you just shared. <laughs> I remember the first time you came to NDs, and after you know we started to get to know you, and like I remember a couple of comments were like that Warren bloke he doesn't shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we had I had no idea. Like you know, I yeah. remember some of our early conversations when I was captain you, and so I had no idea. And it's like it is so interesting that I think I found through. Um, you know, doing this, but also just speaking to people that everybody has a little challenge or, and I say little, and I say, I mean that sincerely because the challenge might appear either little to them or little to me, but the word challenge is there. You know, it is yeah. still something that people will go through. I'm, I'm not going to know what it's like, um, to have a speech impediment unless something you know that which happens to me which could do it but like you're also not going to know you know things about how to deal with in my life and i think you know that's why i love you know like when people are open to share these types of stories because it all puts us on a same level it's all under the caveat of challenge you know it's something that we've yeah. got to grow and you know the fact that you know you're you've already spoken for 29 minutes you know with you <laughs> and i and we've been having a chat and you know, I, I, I barely notice it. And I think for you to then, which we'll get to, you know, to have that confidence and, and everything, I think is a credit to you for, for working on that and continuing to go and continue to, you know, seek and, and work and, and do those types of things. So, mate, I think it's awesome. So, thank you. Thank Thanks, you for guys. sharing. Thanks, I reckon we move, oh, let's move this dial a bit. So, we, we go, we finish year 12. What's the next step for Warren? So, he, he's, four, he's still out, of, he's not really loving cricket. So does he move to uni? Does he go on a gap year? Does he, what does he do? What's, what's, was his next step after school? Yeah. So I went straight to university. I did think about doing a gap year, but my folks looked me in the eye and said, you're not doing a gap year. So I guess I wasn't doing a gap year. <laughs> um, so I did go straight to university. Um, I did a, I did a, what did I do? I did a bachelor of economics and a bachelor of finance at UNSW um yep. and that was cool like that was good um i did find that quite hard i remember going to uni and everyone there was really smart and i was was and i'm like oh guys what's going on here you know can we just, can we go, go a bit slower um and you know i always make the the joke that i went to uni to have my lunch because honestly it was just so hard um i wasn't like mm. i got through my degree but looking back, I'm like, why did I choose such a hard degree? Like, I could have just done a nice 
easy to agree. I had the time of my life, but um, yeah. So I guess that was, I guess, my my uni experience. Um, and then yeah, so obviously I didn't play didn't play cricket in years eleven and twelve, but I still obviously did. You know, I still loved the game. I was still watching the game. I was I was still speaking to my mates about it. And then um, after uni, one of my sorry after school, one of my high school mates said, "Why don't you come and play for Mount Cola?" And I was like, "What's Mount Cola? You know, who's the team? What am I doing?" And he was like, "No, no, like you know, I want to play where we're just a bunch of young guys. We're playing A grade. We need some spin." numbers um the team's doing really bad so we could really use you and i was like you know what okay sure let's do it so i played mount cola for a couple of years and i think looking back that was that was definitely a big a big stepping stone to where i am now i think i think mm. i really really you know found my love for the game there um i met mates who i'm really really close with and you know who really sort of helped me to become the person I, I am now as well. Um, mm. So I guess that was that was a quite a big, um, um, how do I say? It? I guess that was a quite a big experience. I guess mm. in in mm. my life. Um, if I look back and you know, if I look look back on life in my twenty six years, I think that was quite a big experience, which then which then shaped the rest of my life as well. Yeah, and then knowing those Mount Cola guys, and a lot of those guys are now Mount Cola guys, but also ND's boys as well, which is which is awesome. And knowing them, I think you probably couldn't have landed in a better community. You know, you're looking mm. to um, find the love of the game again. You know, you can play cricket, and you, you've you've come from a position where you're like, I haven't played this game for two three years because I really just don't like it. But there was yep. always that deep down thing that you you know you did love cricket and and you were keen to play. Um, what was it like stri- striding back out to the middle again after you'd, you know, hadn't you know, played for about three years or so? Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, one of the main things that I, that I love about cricket is that when you bat, it's just you against opposition. It's just you yourself. There's no one out there except you when you face the ball and you've got 11 guys going to get you out. Um, so it's super competitive. And I think that's what I missed. So as when I was out there again, I was just, yeah, okay, let's go. We're on right now. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's you guys versus me almost. So that was one thing that I did miss. And I think one thing that really sort of helped me get back into it as well. Just, just, just the whole, the whole, you know, the whole, the whole competitive landscape of the sport. Um, mm. And then sort of like what you said earlier, mate, the whole, the whole community aspect was really good. Um, one of your favorite words is culture. And I think mm. the culture that we had at Mount Cola and, and most certainly the culture we have at, at, at these right now is just really, really good. And mm. that certainly helped me to, I guess, refine my love of the game as well. And then also just, you know, having really, really good, really good guys around the club as well. Certainly helped mm. in that in that in that aspect too. 
That's so good. Uh, yeah, you're right. I do love that word culture. Uh, it's probably something <laughs> I think I said in that fourth grade year when you were playing with me a fair bit. But I think though, it's funny though, it's, it relates to work as well. And I think if you have good culture, you have people that are willing to buy into an idea or, or buy into something. They will then go the extra mile for you. They'll do the extra one percenter. They'll do, um, you know, whatever it you know nearly takes to, to win. And I think you know that's what we've seen at NDs um, in the last couple of years. I suppose what was the decision for you to you know because step up from from Mount Collar A grade um, into grade cricket um, for those listening. You know that it is a relatively decent step up. There's a bit more commitment to it. There's uh, a bit more training and a bit more focus and a bit more drive around. Um, you know, playing Sydney grade cricket. What was that like for you jumping over to, to NDs, the Northern District Career Club? Yeah, that was a whole lot of fun. I had heaps of my mates who who would, who, would, who were also making that jump at the same time as me. So from my point of view, it, it wasn't that hard in the sense that I didn't know who was going to be there. Or I didn't know, you know, I didn't know who the coaches were. Um I I I'd known a fair few of the NDs boys just just mm. just because of the links we had we had with NDs when I was playing for Mancola. So that wasn't too hard, and I think that that sort of you know having those boys there with me as well, knowing knowing people from, from beforehand just made the whole transition really seamless. Um, and just you know it just sort of made me love the game more because now I was by more people that shared the same passion but also more people that were just really really nice guys and you know mm. people that 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 i'd want to spend time with after the game or you know i'd 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 have a speak to them during the week things like that so mm. i think that's that certainly made it a whole lot easier as well I suppose you gotta you gotta now say what's one of your cricket highlights, mate. Is it um, whether at NDS or, or Mount Cola? Um, what's been one of your your major cricket highlights? Um, I think it's pretty hard to put it put it down to one, so I'm gonna pick two. Um, yeah, when not? He played yeah for it's Mount... your story, mate. It's your story. You can pick out <laughs> many you want. <laughs> when we played for Mount Cola, we won the um, A twos Premiership one year. That was a whole lot of fun and. Um, like I said, we had quite a young team and, you know, there's, 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 there's guys in that team now who are, who are doing really, really well. And I think winning that when, when we were quite a young team and we were underdogs in the whole competition was also really good. Um, and then, yeah, it's hard to look past with NDs winning, winning the club championships last year. That was just, that was just amazing to see, you know, Mm. all the work that, that the whole that the whole club has has put into winning that, um, so I think that was just that was just a really good uh, achievement for the whole club, and I was really proud to be a part of that. And um, yeah, I think that was that was certainly a highlight. And I think to also win that, you know, in my third year at NDs, um, and just be around, you know, be around the boys as we shared that experience and as we, you know. As we won and as we uh, as we celebrated and as we you know as we I guess reflected on the season we had that was that was yeah that was really really cool I, I don't know I, I don't know how it's put except it was really really cool yeah it was uh, and I'll I'll agree with that and I think it was 
one of the messages I really wanted to get across to the young guys in particular as well. It's like, I've been, I played for 19 years at NDs and I'd only won two club champs. And the fact that some of these kids were under the age of 20 and winning mm. a first club champ or some of these kids that were, you know, 16, 17, um, winning a, a fifth grade premiership. It's like, I've only won uh, two, or, uh, sorry, three, two or three in my life now. And yeah. like, I played for 19 years. So they don't come <laughs> around that often. Like, so it was awesome to, to cherish that. Um, and to celebrate yeah. that, and it was a that was a fantastic year. We've touched a lot on sport, was and knowing you, you love your sport, and not just cricket. You love every type of sport. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question broadly um, for a reason because I'm keen to see where it goes. But what does sport mean to you? Um, I'd say sport means almost. Everything. I think there's things in sport that you can that you can take out to the rest of your life, whether you look at it from whichever aspect. I feel that you know, sport not not only brings people together, but it but 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 it, it, like it allows people to share in the same experience and share in the you know share in one thing. Um, like. I look back and you know me me playing me playing soccer for the first time in Australia. That was that was literally how I learned English. That was literally how mm. I you know was literally how I became Australian almost. Uh, me playing me playing cricket for so many years. I think that sort of made me who I am. And I think sport you know sport is more than just a bat and a ball. And an oval, I think it's just, you know, it's a whole cultural thing of meeting new friends and being part of their life and learning about them and, you know, learning what makes them tick and learning, learning, you know, learning more about, I guess, who we are as humans as well. Um, mm. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a very hard question to, I guess, give you one answer for, but I think sport is almost everything. It's sort of, you know, I, I would say it transcends more than just the actual sporting sort of the sporting code itself. Yeah, I love that because you know why I love that is because if you replace the word sport with someone else's passion, so uh, whether it's surfing or reading or writing or poetry, like I think you'd nearly get the same answer. And the reason I asked it so broadly was hoping you would go down that path because I love the idea that um, you're five years old, six years old, seven years old, in the process of learning English, going through school, but you can have the common language of playing sport with a bunch of kids. Like, yeah. you don't need to speak English at that point, but you understand that I've got to get that ball from the right-hand side of the field to the left-hand side of the field and, you know, not get it taken off me. Um, and then I've got to score a goal or cricket. It's like I've got to hit that ball when it comes back to me and um, when it comes to me and that I don't want to get out. Like, I've explained it in English, but the concept yeah. has no language, which I think yeah. is awesome. And I love the fact that, your early life was somewhat defined um, by sport because I think that was mine too. With um, my dad was a sport obsessed person, and I think it just filtered straight down, and he still is. And yeah, you know, it's one of our big passions. So I just, I love that, love that idea of you know sport doesn't have a language. You know, it is yeah. just that's what it is. It is the action. It is a sport, and um, I think that's an incredible reflection. I I, I love that. 
Um, mate, we have flown through, and this has been so fun. And I've got I've got two more questions. One, I want to I'm going to take um, take with you now because a lot of people know. Um, and I think there might be a little bit of a traumatic story to this, so I don't want to take too much out of it, but you hate the water. You hate yes. the water. Now, me literally 20 minutes before us recording this got out of the ocean um, after being in there for an hour and surfing, which sounds like your genuine hell. Mate, is yes. there, is there, was, there a, was there a moment in time? Like, how did this, uh, I suppose hatred for water occur yeah By water i mean yeah, bodies no. of water sorry not just yeah. like the hydration but like yeah. bodies of water <laughs> yeah 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 no um we 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 do have to go back a fair way so um this goes back to when, when i just moved to australia and i was just sort of learning english and we um we we didn't really have many family members in australia at all so mm. we did have some family in queensland so they came down to sort of where where we were staying in Arlingford. And, um, you know, we were with them and stuff. And, like, we had a little pool. So I was just down there in the pool with them walking around. I would have been probably – this would have been maybe a few months after we'd moved to Australia. So this would have been maybe two, 2001. I would have been six years old. Um, didn't really know a whole lot. Didn't know that, you know – didn't really know that you shouldn't walk near the pool when it's wet because you might slip and fall in. And that's oh, exactly what happened. So I oh. slipped and fell in. I was six years old. Um, I was lucky in the fact that there were people in the pool at the time. Mm. Um, so they'd sort of, they like, they'd realized what happened. They knew that this kid couldn't swim. Um, and they'd sort of, they sort of, hooked me out of the water pretty soon. Um, mm. So that was quite a traumatic experience. Um, mm. And it was made even worse by the fact that probably six months after, um, it would have been Christmas. And once again, we're, we're having like a, like a pool sort of thing. So um, we stayed in like a, we stayed in like a unit block and every year for, for, for Christmas, they used to have like a party in the pool. So like all the families used to come and, you know, meet each other and all that jazz. So yeah, six months down the line, this happened again. Um, oh, I was once no. again walking in to, you know, on the side of the pool, not really knowing what was going on. Um, but actually this time I didn't, well, I did fall in. But I got knocked in by someone else. Oh, no. So there were no. there were there were kids like running around and stuff, and they sort of knocked me into the pool. Um, and this time was actually a lot worse because there wasn't anyone in the pool at that time, and also not many people knew that I couldn't swim because you know we were seeing people for the first time in a couple of months. So I was. I don't know how long, how long I was underwater for, um, but I just remember just completely like blacking out. Um, oh, and yeah, luckily enough, someone who was standing next to the pool realized soon after that this kid's not going to like come up because he doesn't know, you know, how to act and stuff or like, you know, how to, or, you know, 
how to do it really. Um, so he or she would have jumped in and pulled pulled me out. Um, and yeah, I remember waking up in hospital. Um, and yeah, that was obviously a pretty traumatic experience. Oh, um, and mum didn't tell me this at the time, but she told me a few years after that the nurse said to her that you're very lucky that there was someone else there because if that someone else wasn't there, I would have literally drowned in that pool. Um, oh my gosh. So that was, wow. yeah, that's, that's a pretty traumatic experience. And I think that's certainly, well, that, that is the main reason why I'm sort of so scared of um, going in the water right now. Um, I, I, you know, like I've been to the beach heaps of times. I live really close to the beach and like, yep. I don't mind going in the water, but I'm not going to go when it's above my waist and, and the waves just scare the heck out of me. So you <laughs> going in the water and, and having a surf is just like me learning Mandarin next week. It's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah. And then I have, you oh, know, like each of my mates have said, you know, was like, you know, like, like, why don't you learn how to swim? Why don't you learn how to swim? And I'm like, mate, I'd love to, but it's just, you know, it's just, it's all in my head. It's all mental. Yeah. Um, I do remember one Australia day after nine beers, me and, me and, me and the boys, well, the boys, boys that teach me how to swim. Um, and obviously after nine beers, I didn't really go down too well. Um, they were sort of like holding my hands and I was sort of moving them and, I was like, yeah, I'm swimming. And they're like, well, no, like we're holding you and you're just moving arms and legs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was fun. But other than that, man, I haven't really been in the water a whole lot. Um, I do remember doing swimming lessons when I was maybe, you know, eight, nine or 10. And like, I was okay. But I think I just, I never just got over that fear of drowning. And I think being so close to dying as well. Um, I think, yeah, that was, that's just, I mean, that I'll just have for, for, for the rest of my life, I guess. Mate, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. Wow, I did not know that. I thought it was just like, I thought I knew there'd be something to it because um, yeah. I know we're, we've chatted a couple of times and been like, oh, when you send like a you know, really lovely photo from Balmoral or something, I'm like, mate, get in the water and you're like, nah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough, you know, it is what it is, you know, each to their own, that's all good. Yeah. Mate, I think if I had that experience too, I probably wouldn't be going anywhere near the water as well. So, oh, mate, that is, that, mate, that is mental. Well, mate, massive uh, thank you to he or she that pulled you out of the water that day because, you know, I'm very yeah. glad that Warren Saldana is in this in this world, that's for sure. Likewise, um, likewise. Mate, we have... <laughs> Mate, this has been awesome. No, I've really, really enjoyed this. I suppose my final um, question for you. In preparing a little bit for this, you know, which I ask all the guests, you know, have a think about what you want to chat about. And, you know, I say to everybody, it's your story. So you can share whatever you want. Um, you know, there's, it's, just a, it's a chat. It's a chat between friends and we're going to talk about your life. Has there been any moments where you, you've thought about a couple of things and you're like, wow, yeah, like that's a serious reflection like or, or lessons learnt or is there anything that you reflect on your life you know, going forward um, now that you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's something I've really learnt or that's something I really want to, I suppose, impress on like the, the next generation of, of kids that are coming through? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's pretty hard to not 
look at sort of my upbringing and the way that my parents raised me as well. Um, as I'm sure you can tell by sort of what I'm explained to you thus far, me and my dad aren't very close anymore. Um, and I think, I think that's something that I've learned and I've, you know, I've just learned to accept and that's just how it is. And I think sort of moving forward when one day, hopefully I have kids of my own, I think mm. I know now what a, what a bad father would look like almost. Um, mm. So I guess just, yeah, just sort of, you know, those small things here and there um, have definitely helped shape who I am. Um, I think just, I know I'm someone where I just try to spread as much positive vibes with other people as well. Um, I remember yeah. when I was quite young, I think I was in high school, um, someone said to me, and I'm not sure who it was. I, I, I really wish I remember who it was, but I don't remember at all. But I just remember what they said and what they said to me was people will, sorry, people might forget what you say to them, but they won't forget the way you made them feel. And oh, I think that that's really sort of struck me as well in the fact that, you know, always try and make a good impression, always try and be the best person you can be. Because even though someone might not say, yes, you know, he's a nice guy or, you know, he's a bloke, they'd feel that way and they'd feel that positivity that you, I guess, share as well. Um, so I think that's, that's, I guess, you know, one of the main things that I try and live my life by is just always trying to be positive around, around people and just use the experiences that I've had that, that have shaped me to then shape other people as well. Um, I'm someone, you know, I love like mentoring other people. I love seeing other people like succeed and do well. And I think, um, I think that's just sort of from my own point of view, that just makes me happy as well. So I think mm. just, you know, just sort of me, me being happy in that sense will then hopefully bring happiness to other people as well. Um, and yeah, I think also in terms of like role models, I'm really close to my mom. Um, she's, she's literally in my eyes, the best person in the world. And she's mm. so <laughs> courageous in the fact that, you know, she moved to Australia after having a five-year-old child just because she wanted me to have a better life. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think I owe the whole world my mum, and that's you know she's 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 someone that I look up to heaps, and I think she's really shaped who I am as well. Um, mm. She's very kind, she's very caring. She's she's not the most you know she's not the most outgoing person. So I'm not sure where I got that from, but she's very <laughs> shy and stuff. But I'm 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 opposite of shy but um yeah i think yeah me and mum are really close and i think she's always you know she's always right ahead of me you know always be nice to everyone always share those positive vibes and i think that's i mean that i've been trying to do for my whole life yeah that is well that is you to a t if i was gonna explain 
What's Warren Saldana like? I'd say positive vibes. I reckon that is someone <laughs> um, which is awesome. So I'm glad that you've been able to reflect on that. And that's, that's such a beautiful sentiment about your mum as well. I think that's, that is awesome. Um, and I just love, you know, like you know, how you make others feel. You know, that's what people are going to remember you by. And I think if uh, a lot of people took on that advice, I think this world would be a little bit of a different place. So, mate... Yeah. Thank you so much um, for firstly taking the time out for your vulnerability to share about your challenges of life. And, uh, mate, it's just been awesome to explore that part of thing. I know I've learned a lot and, I've, like I said, I've, I've shared a few hours with you out on the cricket field, but to, to get to know you a little bit more has, has been awesome, mate. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Um, it's been really, really fun, mate. So, yeah, thanks for coming on the High People podcast, Was. Thanks, like, thanks a lot, man. It was um really, really nice, and um yeah, it just feels feels really good to share with other people my story as well. I've not shared those things with my dad and my speech impediment. I guess you know those things with anyone really. So I guess it's really good to just you know share those things. And I think um you know for for those listening, just sharing things about your own vulnerability to other people. Um, it doesn't have to be on a podcast. It can be to anyone. I think that's just, it goes a long way in, you know, I guess sort of working on yourself and just making sure that you can be the best version of yourself. Um, but yeah, man, no, I just want to also thank you for making this happen as well. You know, you've done really good things with this podcast and you're just going to go from, from you know, onwards and upwards from here. From here so... Um, yeah, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Means the world. And um, obviously, massive shout out to the Thursday Night Pub crew. Obviously, we can't um, <laughs> yeah. can't, can't forget that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Wazo. It's been awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks, Lates. Thanks, Legend.